Welcome to Reframing Our Stories, the podcast. This podcast is about provocative conversations with beautiful thinkers about topics that matter and the stories that have helped them reframe their lives. Grab something cozy or put on your walking shoes and let's reframe. Welcome back to Reframing Our Stories, the podcast. We are so happy that you have joined us again. We would love if you would share and subscribe and rate us if you are enjoying our podcast. And also feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram page, Reframing Our Stories, or our Facebook page, Reframing Our Stories. And if you have a story that you would like to share with us, you can also find the tab on reframingourstories.com under podcast and share your story. We would love to get in contact with you and hear the story you have to tell and possibly have you on our show. Today, we will be talking with Anthony Etter. When I met Anthony, he had a light about him that shined kindness, compassion, inclusivity, and a level of fierceness that I myself don't have access to. Anthony and I recently spoke at a conference together, and when I got home from that event, I told my husband that God created a pretty special human when he created Anthony. I adore him. He has a way of listening to people with his whole heart when you know you are cherished. Anthony is also someone who is not afraid to share the struggles he has gone through in hopes that it supports another person. After spending several years in Southern California working at a youth camp full-time, Anthony is back in the Midwest. He is living life with intention, hope, and curiosity. He is passionate about mental health, advocating for our voice and purpose, and creating a dance party wherever he goes. He believes sobriety is a path of self-love and self-discovery. Anthony is a certified peer support specialist for folks in recovery and struggling with their mental health. He will also soon be certified as an Enneagram practitioner with the art of growth. Anthony finds joy in knitting, music, laughing, road trips, and connecting with people on a deep level. He is also searching for new music, as am I. So send them to us, all your suggestions of music. We love music. So today we'll be talking about a number of things related to sexuality, sobriety, and trauma. Anthony, welcome to our show. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. It's really good to see you. And I miss laughing and dancing with you. I know. (laughs) I I didn't, I talked in the intro about how you bring a dance party everywhere. And I talked about also how we just, you know, were part of the main stage at one of an event recently. And I like the only, like one of the ways we got through that was by dancing backstage. (laughs) It helps. Like I realize, if I don't move my body, I start to feel anxious. Mm-hmm. And so since I love music so much, like dancing is one of those things that helps me to like just enjoy myself, but also like to let go of those fears. Mm-hmm. And then like the reason why I love drumming so much too, because it it also requires my body. You know, I didn't I know you to... do drumming. Oh yeah. yes, you do with the yes. the djembe. You the know, djembe. Like, That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. You know, I secretively want to learn how to play the cello. I've always wanted to learn. And I think it's because yeah. that's like a full body experience. It is. I think everything should incorporate the full body. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I 100% agree. So to start, Anthony, I'm doing something different because normally I ask people this question at the end of my show, but I thought I'm going to start with this question with Anthony. Because it feels fitting just from previous conversations we have had. Mm -hmm. So Anthony, what story are you reframing in your life today? It's funny because as I was reflecting on this question, I feel like I'm in the thick of it right now. I, Mm -hmm. when you you and I were on stage at the extravaganza, there's a question that was kind of similar to this about, you know, being enough and when we didn't feel enough. And I feel like right now I'm in this rebirth. You know, I'm in my mid thirties and I feel like life is officially starting. Like, I feel like Mm. I just got born again in regards to what I'm chasing, what I'm dreaming, what I'm focusing on. And a lot of that has to do with my sobriety. And a lot of that has to do with reframing 
the way I think about myself and what's mm-hmm. possible, you know, for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't like school when I was younger. I didn't fit well with other social groups. I didn't do well academically. Like with school, I just had a very different learning style. Mm-hmm. And so I was nervous about what school would look like for the future for me. And I'm on this different path of learning and education. And I found my kind of my groove with what my goal and purpose is. And that's mm-hmm. to help people who are in active addiction and need to find their way to recovery and helping people um, find their value and purpose for those who may be struggling with with that. And so I feel like I'm reframing like my purpose and my goals. I'm reframing the way I see myself. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't get sober because mm-hmm. a lot of those fears I had carried throughout my entire like young adulthood, like throughout my 20s, that doubt mm-hmm. of, am I good enough? I'm actually going to achieve this. And my sobriety has really taught me to trust myself and to trust the process. Mm-hmm. And it's also allowed me to respond in different ways. You know, I'm able to take a pause and breathe, like really be with the emotion and connect with it instead of numbing it or dismissing it. It's an invitation into to be with with the emotion. So mm-hmm. yeah. So that's that's how like I've been reframing like my story right now. And it feels really exciting. Mm-hmm. And it's also really nerve-wracking because I there's still like <laughs> there's still so much that's unknown I'm like I don't know what is next mm-hmm. but I've always had that and I've always just gone with if we're, you know we're talking about music like I've just gone with the rhythm I've just gone with the rhythm that life mm-hmm. is going so yeah at see just even when you said that I immediately thought of the Sarah McLachlan song which one? you know that one was like something like I've gone to the rhythm do 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 you know that song I don't, but I love okay. her though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to find it. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. But I also just love how you talk about the invitation to be with that emotion. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so, I mean, I feel like so many of us are afraid of some of those mm, hard emotions or conflicting emotions that enter into our lives, that learning how to invite them feels very foreign. Yeah, it is foreign because it's a whole new language. You know, I didn't have the capacity or the understanding of what it meant to to take care of myself in a way that's more nurturing and more honest. You know, I didn't have the language to communicate my feelings in a very effective way, you know, mm-hmm. and it took a lot of work and it's still taking work. It's not like I just graduated the emotional university. <laughs> like it's, you know, I'm done. That's it. No, Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I, I wish. I would love to have that degree, that PhD. Um, but it's, it's something that takes active engagement and Mm -hmm. yeah, there is a new language. I feel like I'm speaking and it's helpful. And it's also been able to allow me to affirm my, my past. It's also allowed me to give grace and forgiveness to my, to my past self and to other people too, because I didn't know, or I wasn't aware or in tune with what was going on. And now I'm like, understanding more of myself and my story and it's just honoring what happened and what's happening today and what will happen next so can I ask how what does that look like in terms of learning how to offer yourself compassion grace and forgiveness of the past because I know oftentimes many of us make decisions that we end up carrying shame for And, you know, shame is one of those things that likes to just be immersive Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just kind of control us and then not allow us to invite those emotions and not allow us to believe that we're enough and to learn from and to move forward. So what was kind of of that process for you to be able to say, okay, that was, Mm -hmm. that was what happened or that is where I needed to be then yeah. here's where I'm now. It was recognizing one that I was human and that I'm messy and complicated and there's a lot of life 
and it's not to put that down. So it was practicing a more loving self-talk mm-hmm. to myself. It was mm-hmm. being really honest about that. You know, when I'm when I'm experiencing an emotion, it's important for me to not be defined by it. So I have to practice saying I'm I'm feeling angry instead of saying I am angry or I'm mm. I am sad. I'm I'm experiencing sadness and yeah, or yeah. that was helpful for me to to kind of release any like shame or because I'm a sensitive person and I get really protective of my heart and protective of that sensitivity because I'm afraid of how is that going to be perceived by others and so I had to just own who I was you know Mm -hmm. like this is just who I am I am a sensitive person I do have emotion and I know that I may have this type of energy and it's not being yeah ashamed of it like it's standing in my truth and like I said I think my sobriety has allowed me to stand stronger in who I am because I'm not trying to hold on to what other people always think of me you know I Mm -hmm. I do appreciate the affirmation and validation from other people however it comes from me first I have to be that foundation for defining my value and mm-hmm. not relying on other people. And it's also being honest about my past too. When I had to think about forgiving my past self, it's like when I got my, you know, ADHD diagnosis almost two years ago, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, like this is happening. But then I was also like, well, this makes sense to what my life was like before. Yeah. That I wasn't a bad student or I wasn't, you know, not good enough because I couldn't focus or get this done or accomplish this or why I started something and couldn't finish it. You know, Mm -hmm. that gave me, I was allowed to give myself grace and forgiveness because I was able to see myself a little bit more, you Mm -hmm. know, or the reasons why I was abusing alcohol is because I was, I wasn't healing these other wounds that were happening, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's on this like constant path of healing and forgiveness and, and actually dealing with it, you know, not running away. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. actually facing those kind of blind spots and moments that you're like, oh, I really don't want to deal with this, but I have to. If I'm if if I don't, then I'm only going to be holding myself back. Mm-hmm. I resonate with that. I also got an ADHD diagnosis like last year, which made me go, Oh, I'm not stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I grew up thinking I was stupid my whole life. Yep. For sure. And also, I mean, as I've been learning about ADHD, recognizing that um, we also are more susceptible to addiction because our brain doesn't produce enough dopamine Mm -hmm. and serotonin. So we're always looking for a way to have more of that. And then I don't know if you learned about this. There's something called, and I might say it incorrectly, rejection sensitivity Yes. Have you read this? I think, yes, that's fascinating. Yeah. I'm like, "Mm, I feel like I totally, (laughs) Mm -hmm. when I, when I, when there's just an ounce of rejection, I like spiral for me. It freaks me out. Yeah. And so that's one of the things where I have been really working on to be like, okay, like, Mm -hmm. let's look at this from different lenses. And this is not, you know, Rejection is normal, but it's also mm-hmm. where are you at with that? So it's that's really fascinating. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about the way already that becoming sober has changed you. But mm-hmm. what was the decision? When did the decision happen that this was something that you're like, oh, I need to look into and and work on? Well, you know, this one's like this one's been like the most emotional journey because I've it's been the most vulnerable and the most like deep thing that's ever happened um, to me, especially as an adult. You know, I never thought, I really didn't know much what sobriety was or I only knew it was this just from watching like TV shows and movies when you see, mm-hmm. like I remember watching like the OC and like the mom Kirsten had like intervention and has to go to AA and then I've like watched Grey's Anatomy and you see like Richard Rever like, you know, having mm-hmm. his, a, you know, his A experience, you know, so you kind of see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has changed me. I'm almost two and a half years um, 
sober and I didn't think I would ever get to to this point and and I really mean that because I never thought like it would be something that I want, needed for the rest of my life you know when I first got sober it was um the beginning of 2020 so the pandemic did not start and that sobriety run only went for about 100 days mm-hmm. and I wasn't actively engaging in my sobriety I wasn't connecting with the community I wasn't doing a lot of like emotional work you know a lot of healing work I was just kind of not drinking and just being and then then the pandemic started and that was even harder because you know mm-hmm. you're you're trapped into the space and then you know a lot of people were like I better stock up on my bottles of you know wine oh, and yeah. this and that and mm-hmm. you know and so then I stopped and it wasn't because of like a relapse or you know I slipped I just was like I'm done you know I'm over it you know and then I mm-hmm. was done and summer 2020 was probably one of my most challenging summers and darkest times I've I've had in a while and Mm -hmm. it came down to a lot of like rejection and belonging Mm. the job I was at was at this camp and my role was to be with the people and to connect with others so I was like missing that and I was grieving that like connection and then I was like struggling within this community I was a part of and I wasn't feeling like I was you know with them I felt more I was outside watching them yeah and I was just yeah I was just facing a lot of darkness and it was it was hard and it got to a point that fall where it just it came to a point where it was affecting myself and the people around me in a way that was like something has to change Mm -hmm. and so the day that like my day one when I was like okay this has to change it was more of I actually have to do something about it Mm. so it was actively participating in my sobriety so I found this online community called the Luckiest Club, and it was founded by a woman whose name is Laura McCowan, who wrote this book, We Are the Luckiest. And during the pandemic, she wanted to create a space, a community for people to connect because they knew in-person meetings weren't getting together because of the pandemic. And so having a a space where people could connect virtually. Mm -hmm. And I remember to rewind a little bit when I was in that first round of sobriety, I like followed a bunch of sobriety accounts. And then when I was, when I stopped getting sober, I unfollowed all of them except for Laura's. For some reason, I was like, I'm going to, it kept hers. Yeah. And so then it comes to the fall and I saw that like she was posting about this online community. And I thought, you know, this is something that, you know, I got to be part of. And at that Mm -hmm. time, the membership was only $9.99 a month. I was like, that's nothing. That's two coffees. Like I would spend so much more on going out and drinking, you know, beyond that amount. Yeah. And I was like, I can do this. And so that's when I knew I needed to do something was to be a part of a community. I was doing group therapy. I was doing, I was actively participating and that's what it's, that's how it stuck with me because there's this quote by Yolan Hari, you know, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety it's connection and yeah that's what really changed yeah everything for me you know once mm-hmm. I found other sober people other sober queer people it like changed my life yeah um, I'm really grateful for that foundation I often when I you know teach classes for kids and I teach them about why do we need relationships right I just actually talked about healthy relationships yesterday I'm like well so what about why why is it that humans need relationships? What are they? You know, we talk about it with fifth and sixth graders. And then I talk about, you know, this need for connection. And I'm like, and connection essentially is intimacy, right? And then I also process the fact, you know, just what you just said with that quote, it's like, we long for this sense of intimacy and connection. But I also feel like so many of us are terrified Mm -hmm. of it at the same time. When we especially are um, struggling with that, with the voices that we are saying to ourselves, you know, or like the narrative that we're giving ourselves. And I think that is what sometimes pulls people away 
from connecting. Mm-hmm. And so I actually think it takes a lot of courage to then reach out and connect. Yeah. And courage is one of my like words. It's one of probably my life words. Some people have, like do like a word of the year. Mm-hmm. I think courage will be my word for my life. Like, okay. cause it takes, it takes courage to do so much and to, you know, when I think about sobriety and, and, you know, my queer identity, there's this coming out connection, you know, there's mm-hmm. this intersection of what it, you know, this, you know, we talked about rejection. Part of my, my gratitude for sobriety is that it allowed me to really love myself and find a home within myself and community within myself. You know, it was, I felt so rejected by, you know, so many different things. And because as a sober, as a person who's like, sober or in active addiction or trying to get, you know, be in recovery, you're looking for that connection, that belonging, that sense of I am seen, I am heard, I am loved here. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other sense as a queer person where you're, you know, asking the same things. I just want to be loved yeah. and seen and heard and accepted. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like this bigger need to really be embraced. And so when I found that like community, it was just like, it was checking all these boxes that Mm -hmm. I was like really needing for myself. And then I was also checking boxes for myself. Like I was starting to find more of an acceptance with me and Mm -hmm. being okay with that. You said a line to me at the extravaganza that made me just fall apart. (laughs) (laughs) We're just like holding hands crying at the table. (laughs) Where I just like broke down and it was, I mean, first of all, it was like just beautifully said, but you basically was like, I learned to enjoy the company that I have within myself. Mm-hmm. And there was something about that that was like, oh. <laughs> you know, that was just so beautiful. And I'm like, when you said it, I was like, this is what I'm trying to achieve right now. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think I too, with the, you know, sometimes always feeling that we're just not getting it. Like I think having that ADHD or whatever, there's, there is always this aspect of feeling like, okay, I just don't get life. You know, like I'm like, oh, everyone was giving a manual and I was just hanging out over here. <laughs> like mm-hmm. somehow I missed class. I missed all of the instructions of how to live life. Yeah. And that's, it feels very, you know, alienating, I guess. Yeah. And just how come, how come people are getting this faster than me? You now know? They're on page 50 and we're on page two. Like, yeah, exactly. I'm still trying to find where's the, the index. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. mm-hmm. yeah. And so I think with that and multiple other things, you know, that we all experience, the negative soft self-talk is real and it is real. And just learning how to be at home with yourself takes a lot. And I think also during the pandemic, I too experienced just an unraveling, just I unraveled. And I also believe that I kind of spilled too much of myself onto friends, you know, and probably Mm -hmm. did some harm there, hurt them in some ways of just my anxiety. And so, yeah, like I just, I just hearing, you know, how you were able to perceive that as an invitation and to just be with it. You know, like I think I wrote a poem one time about how uh, like some of this is, I think also grief, you know, processing grief. And I wrote a poem a while ago where grief knocked on my door and I was just like, oh, okay, you're here again. <laughs> Would you like tea or coffee? <laughs> you know? yeah. Sorry, no cookies today. Where <laughs> shall we get some Chinese food? Like, what do you want to do? Mm. Like, I guess we're going to sit together and hang out. And, but I think being willing to hang out with grief yeah. is like part of the key. Well, that's, that's it right there. Like you just said, like, you know, when we're talking about invitation is like when I was being with myself I was allowing to talk to my heart and my mind and my gut and to talk to my grief and talk to my anger and talk to my sadness and talk to my you know joy and happiness and jealousy it was like it -hmm. was like an emotional party in a way and a celebration because that was something I had to do is I had to really intentionally invite those feelings and to be with them and recognize what is this teaching me and what mm-hmm. am I learning learning from it because mm-hmm. it was easy to be like yeah they knock the door and, and I would just say nope you're not coming in today I don't want to talk to you mm-hmm. and then that yeah. just built up and built up yeah so what is the one lesson that you would teach on addiction 
that you have learned so far? Yeah. Well, the beauty is now is that there's so many pathways to someone's recovery. There isn't just one way to to get sober or to, you know, get your help. I love that there's so many avenues because different things work for different people. Mm-hmm. You know, like some people find that this works for them, but this doesn't work for them. And so I think that's one thing is finding what works for you and remembering your why. I think that's one lesson that people start to feel like triggered or tempted, or they're just questioning us. Remember, why did you choose this? You know, mm-hmm. and that is a really important thing is coming back to your why. Another thing I would teach um, is building your toolbox. Of mm-hmm. What are the things that you need to, to stay on this path? Like what helps you stay on the path of sobriety and recovery? Part of that for me is um, reaching out. Like, don't be afraid to reach out for help. You know, finding yeah. those um, community people that you trust and that you feel safe with. It's, you know, going to a meeting for me. It's also being intentional about boundaries and having my personal time to mm-hmm. energize myself. Um, and then like the last thing is just what we've been kind of talking about this entire time is just that connection piece. Like, you don't have to do it alone. Like, you know, only you can do it, but you can't do it alone. You know, like- right that's the thing so just finding your people and and then it's the other thing too is like finding people who understand another part of you so if you're a parent find parents who are sober like find the other piece so you can connect on that or if you're someone who identifies as a woman find other people who are you know trying to recover who also identify as women so it's like finding the other identity with on top of the identity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's great yeah So with part of this, you know, we had talked about, again, um, learning how to face some of the scary things. And I think that is also one of the reasons that prohibit people from getting the help that they need or reaching out and doing things. So what is some of the suggestions you would have for a person who might be listening, who's like, damn it, I feel like (laughs) this is my next step, but this feels really hard and this feels really scary. So what is one thing that you would say to them? I guess the one thing, well, one, I just want to like offer them like water and like (laughs) a moment to like just breathe. Like that's the first thing I would say, like, let's just take a breath Mm because there's so much tension we hold in our bodies. And earlier we were talking about moving our bodies. I think there's something Mm -hmm. like just take a breath, but I honestly would tell them you are worthy of new beginnings and, Mm. and you're not defined by what this is. I think there's something that, you know, I'm not defined by the mistakes I have made. You know, I am, I am enough, and I am more than those things. I am, I'm growing and I'm learning. And I think it's reminding them that it does hurt right now, and it's a lot. But in time, you start to feel more alive and more steady. Like for me, it took time to really feel like myself. And to really find my my rhythm and my routine into the life that I am creating for myself now, because we're human and we're facing a lot of hard things. Whether it's sure. if we're facing grief, we're facing you know the struggles, what it means to be in a relationship or to be a parent. Um, whatever it is, we all have the things that we're going through, and it may seem like I'm never going to get through it, mm-hmm. but it's just trusting it um, and get rest, <laughs> like honor your body. Honestly, <laughs> like don't be afraid. It's, it's yeah. not, it's not, um, it doesn't make you lazy. It doesn't make you selfish. It's mm-hmm. an act of self-love to honor your body and to take care of it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a huge lesson. All of us, I think even mm-hmm. within this American culture needs to learn because I feel like there's this essence of if we're not doing then we're not we're not good you know like if we're not producing then what are we (laughs) you know well that's the thing is like you know it's almost like we are accustomed to to have a full schedule and and to do all the things and to slow down it you know could look down upon especially like in the work you know in the work field too it's like I feel like the pandemic also was a an awakening for folks to Mm -hmm. not go as hard and to be mindful of you know, how much am I working or how much am I doing or how much am I committing to? That's one thing I would say I've grown in my sobriety is not always saying yes to stuff. 
you know there's this Mm -hmm. there's this idea of when you say no you're sometimes allowing you to say yes to you so if I say no to this event Mm -hmm. I'm saying yes to myself to get more rest or to take care of something yeah so it's creating those boundaries that are really important and I've learned to really protect that that's one thing I'm very protective of is my time and energy and how how I use it and how I give it Mm -hmm. that's a good insight is there is that how do I say this has there any been anything that has come to you that's been surprising of what you've learned about yourself through this journey you know (laughs) you know it's it's the personal time like I'm also realizing like I'm getting a little bit more like introverted and overwhelmed by social situations you know Mm -hmm. back then I'm like let's go like you know let me dive into (laughs) this group of people now I'm like how many people like do we if someone's like we're we're going to do this I'm like cool is it start at six no it's at nine Mm, I don't know about that yeah (laughs) things like that I'm like maybe that's also just like age I was like um that's also because we're getting older (laughs) we're getting older um but yeah I would say like I still am at the core this this joyous Anthony but I'm also like found the joy in the resting and the joy in the pausing and there's this joy of not needing to always do it all and to participate so it's a new thing to not want to do it all and I kind of love just hanging back and again being with myself like you know often I you know still love to be around social situations but I'm finding such comfort and value and doing things on my own, whether it's reading or knitting, listening to music or mm-hmm. watching so many episodes of Drag Race. Like I just, <laughs> I, I love RuPaul's Drag Race so much. Um, <laughs> and I know we'll talk about that in a moment, but I, that's one thing that's really changed for me. And also too, is um, the intention I have with my relationships with people, you know, being very particular about who, I'm around and how I spend my time with people, you know, it's more quality, it's more mm-hmm. um, engaging and loving. And mm-hmm. it's not just because I want to have fun. It's just, it's more honorable. And I, that's been really important for me too. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So as someone who does identify as queer, mm-hmm. there's so much happening in our country right now that is not awesome in any yeah. sense of the word and is not okay. So what would you want to say to people around what is happening? Yeah. Well, one thing is for those who are listening, and if you hear the word queer, you're probably wondering, well, queer, isn't that, you know, this, <laughs> you know, bad term. And yes, at one point the, the the term queer was used to to be hateful and came from a really bad place. But queer has now been reclaimed as this kind of, in a way, I would say superpower and this beautiful mm-hmm. identity because it's so it's it's an umbrella term. It's very it's more yeah. inclusive. When for a while it's just called the gay community and then LGBT, then LGBTQA plus you know two S like there's but queer is also has often been just this term to really um, talk about the larger community. So I just wanted to clarify that. But there is a lot going on right now, and it's wild because like I I reflect on my own like queer journey of where life was when I came out and I remember it was um 2009 and Mm. like the Lutheran church was going yeah I was like oh because like there was that (laughs) and then then I remember like all these like different marriage quality acts happening and then I remember when like the Supreme Court like approved marriage equality and like how beautiful and amazing progress is happening yeah but then I just feel like we're starting to go back we're falling back into mm-hmm. a different world and it's really sad because I think queer people are not here to divide our country or to put any agenda if there is any agenda it's really connection and love and creative mm-hmm. expression mm-hmm. and it's allowing people to see hope and light like especially when it comes to like the span of drag and drag shows drag brings such joy mm-hmm. and belonging for people to to see themselves like I think about these kids who are trying to find themselves and are finding ways to express themselves or people who are just seeking you know quality um creative art 
you know, I think yeah. about the joy of just the arts, you know, the theater and what that looks like to perform and how drag brings people together. And there's just this common, common connection there. But I know people are hurting and it's hard because I know a lot of people in my life who are in the drag scene. And also I have a lot of trans friends. Um, and I was at a, a space with some trans folks uh, not too, not too long ago. And, and just to hear their, um, fear and sadness and yeah. they don't know what life looks like for them moving forward because of rights that could be taken away um, and I know certain states are a bit more strict than the other um, and I it's different because everyone lives in different states but I think it's it's voting you know if I would say to people is you have to make sure you're registered and that you're voting for the right people in place to protect our families like the thing about this whole thing that's happening within the queer community is that it's affecting families as well yeah there's some of these people this is their job it's they have children that are performing or they have people who in their family who identify as queer in some capacity and it's affecting more than what they think and that's the hard part and there's other laws that we need right now than (laughs) what they're trying to do so it's definitely voting Mm -hmm. and it's definitely like yeah making sure you're registered and then it's also offering safe spaces for people to talk and to to process and if you're a space that can like host a show like allow your space to be utilized Mm -hmm. as you know this kind of beacon of joy and light that it is um and I think another thing I would want to say is um don't be afraid to ask questions or how like you know, or don't be afraid to research like in ways that you can help or be supportive. Sometimes it's always like, where do I start? And um, there's so many resources and and, um, I don't have anything like right now, but you know, the human rights campaign has a lot of resources on their website. Mm -hmm. Um, I know like the Trevor Project, like there's- I was just gonna say Trevor Project has many, many. And then Mm -hmm. um, Gay Pride Apparel is a great, it's, it's queer owned and they have amazing merch that supports trans rights. Um, so that's another way to, is like, yeah, finding ways to either volunteer or to, if you can financially give, it's like financially giving to places that are actually doing like the work of um, going to the system to make sure that people are safe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think part of the thing that really irritates me is the way that the laws around the drag shows, you know, are, are like putting it towards children in terms of like when they're reading to children and I'm like, okay, just hold on a second. One of the most natural things mm-hmm. that a child does is play dress up. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Is play dress up. It's yeah. how we, ex- it's how we explore our imagination. It's how we invite ourselves to different worlds. It's how we also learn more about our identity and I'm like, there is nothing that's harmful, with that yeah. you know. And to see an adult, a sense in a sense, play dress up, it's it's a beautiful thing. Yes, yeah. and then and to say that we're thing. um, what's the word? Um, there's a certain where they use like something with kids. Like we're not um, I forget what they use, but uh, they're not trying to oh. tell kids this is what you need to do. What's right. the word I'm looking for? Grooming. Grooming. Thank it? you. That's yeah. like the word that's being used. I know, which and is it, just. It's just like, that's not what it is. It's like, what a gift for a drag queen to read to kids and for kids to hear one yeah. a story. Kids should be hearing that and it isn't a threat and mm-hmm. it isn't, you know, no one should be afraid. You know, they're not there to yet to groom or there's not this agenda. And it is disheartening that that is something that's being taken away mm-hmm. and how certain Broadway shows can't be performed. Like in certain states, like in Tennessee, you think really? about all these schools that can't do these shows because there are characters who dress up oh my gosh like kinky boots mrs doubtfire oh um, god there's all these like shows just, that can't hairspray can't be performed i just want to to me i'm just i'm like can we can we look at like what's actually really important <laughs> yeah, let's reframe the government <laughs> let's reframe some <laughs> other things please yeah and now in florida even is I having know. a ban around teaching period before yeah i know sixth grade it's disheartening it's because i am just i'm 
I Florida. I'm like, what are you doing? I know. <laughs> I, just I know. Can't even I, it. I just we're gonna be praying. Yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's just hard because I, I don't know. I there's just this distraction, and you know that's what is hard because I feel like the focus is just being shifted, and yeah, and that's yeah. why it's triggering for so many people, and that's why I'm thankful to be a part of like some of these sober queer spaces because it's coming to a space that feels safe and vulnerable to talk about mm-hmm. how intense this feels and I don't want to be triggered to use or to be going into this spiral where my anxiety is up sure. that's why it's like offering spaces for people like you know there's a lot of um, places where they offer like you know focus therapy for queer people for BIPOC people it's like finding those right spaces for people to have access to that to to share what's going on because some people just don't have the space to talk about it and it's, yeah. it's scary because then they just like hold it and in then and hold it, that it's mm-hmm. just it's too much and they shouldn't have that I mean that's I think too one of the things I had said at a previous podcast is just you know there's all these different levels of what the internet can bring but I do think one of the gifts is is finding those spaces that feel nourishing you know, yeah. when, if a person doesn't have access to it in their own community, you know, mm-hmm. how does God fit into all of this for you? This is an interesting one because I was taking time to reflect on like what that meant. And because mm-hmm. there's sometimes it may feel, and I, and I use God universe um, and the divine kind of all in intertwined in, in spirit. I think how the, how God is working in, in this universe is putting people into my life. I think, you know, this whole conversation has, I feel like it's been surrounded by the topic of connection and community. And I think how God fits into this is putting people in your life to hold you and to lean into and to be mm-hmm. a foundation. I think there's something about relying on people and not feeling ashamed to reach out and ask for help. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, God is also. I think God's also using is trying to remind me that I have a a purpose into this. I think sometimes I can fall back on forgetting why I'm doing what I'm doing or why I'm here. And it's like every so often I just get like this little message of like, you are you are here and you are okay and I see you and I love you. It's like I hear God through that. I hear mm-hmm. the universe directing me back. Mm-hmm. Um but I think also God is like in the kids when I think about like oh, yeah. what's going on in the world. I just think oh, yeah. about like kids bring the way that kids like I'm, I live with my brother and I have my six-year-old niece here and seeing like life through her lens is just that is joy and hope and light and that is that is God and that's how we should see this world is yeah through their eyes of mm-hmm. creating this world that's love and and fun and adventurous and safe and um, that's a big thing for me is how I'm seeing God is just being one with with youth and the love that they bring to this world. Mm-hmm. Lastly, too, is I would say um, for me, I find a lot of of my spirituality and connection to God and to the universe is through music. Like there's a lot of yes. music that's been healing for me and mm-hmm. it's been really empowering for me. And I think that's one way that God fits into this for me is 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 through that, through that connection of of rhythm and music and song mm-hmm. and lyrics and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Same. I feel yeah. you on those. I told kids yesterday, I was talking about teaching them about what consent is and the difficulties around it. And, you know, I showed them this video and I was like, do you think this video makes consent sound very easy? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, do you feel like that's, you know, how we actually experience it? And they're like, no, <laughs> you mm. know? And so we talked about that and I, I know I've been recognizing that as I'm teaching it, you know, a lot of people can't experience this has a point, by the way, consent in their homes, you know, because sometimes some of the homes we grow, we live in, like, we're not asking each other for hugs, or we are still expecting kids to, Mm. like, you have to go do what aunt, whoever says, or grandma Mm. or different things like that. And so I tell the kids, I'm like, you know, actually adults always need to be learning. And I'm like, and just because we do things the way that we've always been done isn't always right. Right. And so I told them, I'm like, I just want to acknowledge that you all 
hold your own wisdom and that sometimes adults can learn from you, mm. <laughs> you know, and it's okay to also say, can we talk about this and things like that. And I love, so that's why like, again, with that whole idea of kids and bringing hope, like I do love, like every day I am always amazed at some of the comments that kids say in classrooms. So I was like, that's like brilliant. My four-year-old niece, a couple weekends ago, we had a family game night and she said, I have a big announcement to make. So she steps on her little chair <laughs> and she's like, I just want you all to know if you're feeling sad, let me know. I can help you. And it was just oh like, she just wanted to make sure that we knew that she was there to help us if we felt sad. And I'm like, how amazing to like make the announcement to a room full of adults who are just full of anxiety because it's tax season and whatnot. And we're playing a board game and we're stressed out. She just was like, I have an announcement. I was like, oh my God. winning. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. she's four. She's four years old. Oh my like, gosh. I, she's I just can't. like, I just, it's too much. Welcome yeah. to my, yeah. also, welcome to my room. Welcome. Yep. You, you, you're hired. What I do you need? You. What do you, yeah. <laughs> um what yeah let's go to the store what do you what can I get you um and I also wanted to tell you this is totally off subject but you should um you should work for the app calm I think you would be a great bedtime storyteller you have your voice is so like I just think you could read like good night moon yeah good night moon do you remember the first time we met you came in, you came up to me after I spoke on stage and you go uh you are the next Delilah oh that, I did say that Delilah yep I remember that mm -hmm. Oh, I should look into those things, but I always get nervous because of my speech problems. Oh, I, you, you have, there's something it's, it's just, it's a cup of soup. It's very soothing oh, and comforting. Yeah. That's your, very nice. Your chicken noodle soup. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I'm going to like take that in today. I'll be like, yeah. I am chicken noodle soup noodle guys. Soup. Yeah, yeah. That must <laughs> I don't know noodles. if you knew this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So what is down to round this conversation off yeah. because you know there's always just one thing <laughs> that's just impossible there's only one thing what is one of the one things that you know fully now mm. Ooh, it's yeah. not about you oh i that's on there i have a little microphone right here a fake microphone and i just want to hold it and drop it yeah. you know what i also where's my microphone i have one usually i keep one at my desk too because i like to do drop the mic but that is something I, that i know that it's not always about uh, me yes um, mm -hmm. i that was something i struggled with of making things about me or assuming this was about me and that just did more damage and there's yeah. something about just kind of minding your own business and not needing to always get involved or to or to to assert yourself in a situation or insert yourself in a situation mm -hmm. um so that's one thing I know is that it's it's not about you and mm. I, have, I have a reminder I have reminders on my phone that go off throughout the day just like drink water or like take your medicine um <laughs> you know move your body what, how are you feeling what do you need and one of the reminders that comes up in the evening for me is it says it's not about you Mm. So it's just a reminder like if I'm thinking about something and it's funny how sometimes it comes up at the right time even though it's scheduled always at the right time I always forget that sometimes it happens yeah. and I'll be like in my thoughts and I see it I'm like damn you <laughs> like you, <laughs> how did you know again you know? <laughs> um but that's one that's one thing and then just in general is you know you're human I think yeah. I just I have to like just stress that too is like with everything we've talked about in this conversation, there's a lot that we're dealing with and there's a lot we're carrying and holding. Just know that you're human and it, it's, we're messy and it's okay. And we're still loved no matter what. So, yeah. Well, I feel that's just where we're going to end it right there. Yeah, that's it folks. Good night. <laughs> find your soups. Well, <laughs> find your soups, get a blanket. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm done. I'm exhausted. No. Uh, no. <laughs> that's so, great. Anthony, if a person is like, man, I just want to reach out to this person because mm -hmm. they just spoke to my soul today. Is there a way they can reach you? Yes, they can Venmo me. At, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. Um, <laughs> that would be funny. Just like instead of like promoting your social, your newsletter, yeah. like 
Just here's my Venmo. Just here's my um, Venmo. You yeah, can... this, is what, this is what I'm looking for. No, this podcast um... was not free today, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, yeah, my my Instagram is Memwendo, which is Swahili for rhythm, which translates oh. to movement and journey. It's actually tattooed um, on me, Memwendo. Oh, oh. And it's part of my Instagram. So when I was looking up um, at a friend's house, she had a Swahili dictionary and I wanted to look it up because, you know, I love drumming, I love rhythm, I love dancing. So I was looking up all the translations for rhythm and this one came up in window and it translated to movement and journey, which is like, that's exactly what rhythm is for me. It is a yeah, movement, but on awesome. our journey, we're in a rhythm, whether we're mm. off beat or on beat. It just mm. like sold. Mm. I was like, and so it's Mimwendo, M-W-E-N-D-O dot soul. And I'm sure you'll put that in the it's true or whatnot but. i'll just write that down <laughs> yeah and then for anyone who is listening and is looking for connection um for trying to, f- to try to find their pathway to being sober i i am a part and i work with an organization called the luckiest club so mm-hmm. if anyone's looking to to seek community and connection um it is a great community of people and i love it deeply it's changed my life um i host monthly dance virtual dance parties it's so fun what? oh my gosh yeah yeah, and there's queer <gasps> meetings, there's BIPOC meetings, women meetings, men meetings, and then all communities. So it's a very eclectic um, and and well um, diverse variety space to be a part of. So just wanted to put that yeah. out there as well. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Anthony, for being thank you. on the show today. Totally I love you. it. I love you. Love you.